Hello everybody and welcome to this week's official Everton podcast for our official Everton members. Let's look ahead, Graeme Stewart, to the uh, weekend game against Arsenal at Goodison Park. It's a winnable game, as Watford showed, but with Arsenal you just never know what you're going to get. Yeah, it's a difficult one to call, isn't it? Because if you catch Arsenal on a good day, they can really hurt you and they can take you to take you apart. So it's make, sh- make sure that we uh, set up well, we're strong, we start the game quickly, uh, we get uh, the, the crowd you know, out of their seats and on our side straight away as quickly as possible. How important is that? Well, it's, it's vitally important, but we say it all the time. You know, we, we know what Goodison Park's like. We've all, all had the experience of, of Goodison when it's, when it's noisy and it's a difficult place to, for opposition teams to come to. And I think that's what we've got to make happen on Sunday because it helps our team so much. You know, the, the, the crowd can be your 12th man and we might need it on Sunday because Arsenal's going to be a really, really tough game. Forget last week's disappointment for them at Watford. We know that they're a decent side. So, you know, I just think it's important that we set our stall out. Don't worry about them. Let's get out there. Let's make it a physical contest because that's what Arsenal don't like. And let's get right in their faces and give them some trouble. It's the old Corporal Jones syndrome, isn't it, Graeme Sharp? Arsenal don't like it up them. Yeah, well, I think, you know, Troy Deeney uh, mentioned that last week, you know, and uh, they were winning 1-0 and looking quite comfortable. Then Watford made a couple of substitutions. Deeney was one of them. They came on and, and ruffled them up. You know, they want to play football, you know, nice and neat and tidy. Arsenal, you know, everybody knows that. And, you know, he's done a fabulous job there, Arsene Wenger. But that's the one thing about them. They have got a soft underbelly. Uh, and I think we need to... to not necessarily change, but we need to get after them, as, as Diamond quite rightly said. You need to get after them, get in their faces, make them play football they don't want to play. You know, they want to play with tippy-tappy football, if you like. They want to play. We need to get tight and make it a physical contest. If we can make it a physical contest early on, uh, we can get the upper hand here. You know, I think they're a good football side, don't get me wrong, but I think we're going into this one. And it's important, as Graham said, that, uh, you know, the crowd, you've got to get the crowd on your side and to get the crowd on your side, you have to start the game quickly. You have to start the game fast. You have to win tackles, as you alluded to, to before. So if you do all the right things, I don't think it should come as a surprise. You know, listen, they'll be hurting after the game against Watford. They'll be, they'll be saying, make sure this doesn't happen again. Everton's a different test. But we need to be on top of our game. If we're on top of our game and take the confidence from the point we got at, uh, at Brighton, we can go in here and, and make a game of it and hopefully you know, get the three points. Will they be hurting though, Graham? Will they be hurting? Because as you said, they do appear from the outside looking in to have a bit of a soft underbelly. And those results against that result against Watford, it's by no means a one-off. For no, it's, it's not, Dan. You're quite right. But you know, as an Arsenal fan, you'd be looking, at, thinking, "Oh, I want to see a reaction here." You know, and they, they got a little bit of stick from it. I think the comments from Troy Deeney, you would like to think it would hurt the Arsenal players, mm. so they want to respond to that. So we'll just have to wait and see. But you know, immaterial Arsenal, Dan. We shouldn't be surprised with them. You know, we know how they're going to set up. They know they've got some fantastic players and also in there. And uh, you just look at them and you think, yeah, fantastic team. If we stand back and admire them, they'll win the game. We need to, to make them worry about us. And if we can do that, as Diamond quite rightly said, get the crowd behind us early, you know, there's no reason why we can't take the three points. Just looking at Arsenal, Diamond, where do you stand on the Arsene Wenger debate? Undoubtedly, he's been fabulous for English football. He's created virtually a whole new culture. He's won the double a couple of times. Hasn't won the league for a while, and the tide of support amongst the Arsenal supporters appears to be going out rather than coming in. Yeah, I mean, you've pretty much wrapped it up yourself there, Daz, in, in the way that many people are thinking, especially Arsenal fans. You know, I, I, I think it would be 
foolish of him to stay on any longer than maybe this season because yeah. he's in danger of ruining his reputation at Arsenal Football Club. And I'd, I'd hate to see that because for all the reasons that you touched on before, you know, he's been a breath of fresh air to English football when he first came over. Um, he's had some sensational players, some great sides. I mean, obviously the Invincibles stand out. Mm. You know, no one, I don't think anyone in Premier League history will do what they did. And to ruin that all and, and to be thought of poorly by the Arsenal fans would be such a, an unfortunate thing to happen from, from where I'm looking. Do you think the Emirates has got something to do with it? Because players, I would imagine, weren't overly keen on going to Highbury because there was always a great atmosphere. It was quite tight, whereas I would imagine they do enjoy going to the Emirates because it's a fabulous stadium. Yeah, I mean, I've been to. I've never played at the Emirates. I've been there, obviously, to commentate on our games, etc. But I used to love playing at Highbury. So I don't necessarily agree with mm. people enjoying the Emirates more than Highbury. I thought Highbury was one of the most iconic grounds when I was growing up. It was somewhere I always was desperate to have a game at. So... It was a tight pitch. Maybe that did help them, um, but it was it was a great arena to play. So I wouldn't I wouldn't focus too much on the Emirates being a big difference between Highbury and and the results they got there. Had some terrific games with Arsenal in the eighties, didn't we? Yeah, we did. And you know, Highbury was always a tough place to go because it was a tight pitch. You know, you go to the Emirates now, and it's uh, it's massive. Uh, so there's a difference. But Highbury was uh, was really good when it was full. Uh, but we had some good games down there. Uh, I remember just off the top of my head, uh, Wayne Clark scoring the goal. Mm. You know, from the halfway line, the lob. I wasn't playing that game; I was injured. But I remember watching the TV. Uh, and then later on in my career with Oldham, you know, I, I did quite well down there. But fantastic ground it was. But I just think sometimes with, with Arsene Wenger, Dan, going back to the point, sometimes you can be so, at a place too long, you know, and and you're hearing the same voice every day. And I think. You know, he's been there for an awful long time. I think he's done a fabulous job. Everything he said is spot on. But sometimes with players, you know, hearing the same voice, hearing the same voice, sometimes they just switch off. And I think that might be the case with some of them. But certainly, you know, if you talk to about Arsene Wenger, you know, and what he's he's given to the English game, it's it's right up there with the best. You played when we beat them six one, didn't you? At Goodison, I did. Yeah, we beat them six one. I think uh, I think Charlie Nicholas played for Arsenal at that time. Mm. Tony Woodcock. Uh, listen, we always struggled. We always struggled against them. They were, a, they were a decent side even then, especially at Highbury. They were always difficult to beat. It never used to get much joy down there. But that game at Goodison six-one, you know, it was uh, it was a special game. I think I scored the last one, uh, a tap in from across from Sheeds. I think it was the all important sixth goal. Yeah, it doesn't matter. They all count. <laughs> Took the fight out of them. Yeah, they, they, they all count. It doesn't tell you that in your records, Dad. It doesn't say it was in the last minute. But no, it's listen. It's uh, it's always a good fixture when you play against Arsenal. One of the the big clubs in England and uh, looking forward to it. Takes a special player to score a winning goal at Highbury, doesn't it, Graeme? <laughs> uh, hold on, we've got a sound issue here. <laughs> no, I think you've, you've, you've summed it up perfectly. <laughs> no, I mean, it was a long time ago, wasn't it? Um, but no, I mean, that was a great day. I mean, as Sharpie's already said there, a great place to go and play. If you can pick up a win there, they, they were quite rare. That's the downside. Mm. I've been there on a few occasions and come away with a good old spanking. So, so, you know, to go there and actually pick up the three points in the manner we, that we did that afternoon was was great. I mean, we were in a riding the crest of a wave in good form under Joe Royal, and uh, oh, it was a, it was one of the afternoons that you look back on and really enjoy. These are the reminiscences of Graeme Stewart and Graeme Sharp about playing for Everton against Arsenal. Let's now hear from a former Arsenal player and his memories of playing against Everton. This is Viv Anderson. 
With apologies for starting with a 6-1 defeat for yourself, but if my memory serves me correctly, you were part of the Arsenal side that came to Goodison and, and did get turned over in the days of Gary Lineker. Well, he's, I think he scored three that day, Gary. They were all in the six-yard box and uh, <laughs> we got the biggest mouthful. I think uh, Don Howe was the manager that day and uh, we got back to Highbury and uh, it was silence on the coach all the way back. But I remember just uh, you were just far, far better than us on the day. We had a lot of good individuals. We had uh, you know, Charlie Nicholas, uh, Paul Mariner, Tony Woodcock, mm. you know, Graham Ricks, Ten Kenny Sanson, Dave O'Leary. So on paper we had a decent team, uh, but that day we were far, we were far, far better than us. It was a most un-Arsenal-like performance, wasn't it? Because you didn't concede six many times, Viv. No, we didn't at all. Uh, what Don was really good at defensively, you know. He had uh, me and Kenny were the England fullbacks at the time. So and Dave O'Leary was a full international. and uh, So it was a, a big shock. But uh, I remember you playing really, really well. And, and I remember Link's getting in front of somebody in the six-yard box, which he was really good at. And uh, as you say, we end up losing six. But uh, as you say, it didn't happen that way often. I recall Everton and Arsenal having some real good physical battles over the years, especially in the 80s and the early 90s. You, you had Steve Williams and the like for Arsenal. We had the likes of Reedy. That's right, yes. I remember playing those games. And uh, yeah, yes, uh, Reedy especially, because uh, we go back a long way. Because uh, when I first started at Manchester United uh, as a schoolboy, Reedy was there one day and he said, we ended up playing head tennis. And I go, I don't remember seeing you. He says, well, I can remember you. You were a tall, skinny lad from Nottingham. <laughs> and there's not many black, tall, skinny lads from Nottingham. So we reminisce every time we see. But I don't remember it, but Peter remembers it well. So yes, he, they were tough tacklers. And uh, it was good battles in those days. Yes, yeah. I remember the games well. Every team had an abundance of characters, didn't they? Oh, very much so, yes. We had the Kenny Burns, Larry Lloyd, Archie <laughs> Gemmell, you know, so John Robertson. So we had a few, and you had, oh, like I say, Reedy and goalkeeper and Sharpie, and you had loads of them there. They were good. Brace was really good yeah, as well. Yeah. So, yeah, listen, at that, at that period, there were some really good teams and some really good players. Did you enjoy playing at Goodison Park? Yeah, especially under the lights. Um, the lights, I always thought the, the grass was a lot bit greener than anywhere else. Mm. And I remember scoring one with the outside of my foot on one of those uh, one of those days, but it was a long time ago. My memory's not as good as it was, <laughs> so I might have got that wrong. But um, yeah, I always like come to Goodison because because the atmosphere and it's close to the pitch. And as I said, uh, at night time it was a little bit special than anywhere else. I always remembered Goodison being the the place to go and play at night time. Go back even further. The first game of the 77-78 season, Forest had just been promoted. Nobody knew a great deal about you. Your first game was away to Everton at Goodison Park, and you won it three one. And then. Never look back. Yeah, I think we got promoted that year, and it was, you know, a rude awakening. You going into the first division as it was then, and going to Everton, which is always a tricky place to go anyway for anybody. And as we getting promoted, we were just on a crest of a slump, really, or a crest of a wave, really. We uh, we just went there, and Cluffy would just say, "Just go out and play." Which you know, we had some really good players. You know, only later on in the, in uh, your career you find out players you did play with were a bit special at the time. And to go to Everton at any stage of the season, whether it beginning or the end. It's, uh, to win 3-1, it was always a, a fantastic a fantastic performance. And we went on to win the league, I think, after that. Mm. Well, he had loads of self-belief and he obviously got that into his players. But at the time, you didn't even have Peter Shilton. I think it was still John Middleton, if I'm, right. if, if I'm correct in goal. So if somebody had said to you after that game, well done, you've beaten Evan, now go on and win the league, you'd have looked at them as if they were balmy. Yeah, and uh, nobody ever talked about that, especially that was the opening game. And I think you're right there. Sadly, John Middleton's not with us any longer. He died a couple of years ago. But uh, yeah, and we bought Peter Shilton. And then, and then it's only got till about uh, April time uh, when he said, after one game, I can't remember who we played, and he said, uh, 
I think he was could win the league, you know. It was one of those we kept on tugging <laughs> away. It was that late, it was really? That late, yeah. He was only he never ever mentioned the league. Uh, we just kept on playing and winning and training and winning and and it was it was just a, a simple format. We train, play again, win. He had a, he had a set of players who knew what to do on a Saturday afternoon. So the training between time was 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 we did it. We did it ourselves. We'd we'd say to the, the Jimmy Gordon, um, we want to play five sides today, and he said he let you play five sides because he knew on a Saturday afternoon you were reliable and you could do your jobs. And and that and as I say, it was only till April time, and he said. I think you could win the league, and um, we turned out to do that. It was uh, very fortunate. It was good. It is a simple game at times, isn't it? Yes, yes. People complicate it. Uh, everybody talks about. I remember David Moyes playing one up front for Everton years later, and everybody, wow, what a great system this is. And I, and I say to people, well, 20 years before that, we went to the European Cup final and played one up front, Gary Burtles, and played Gary Mills in midfield, made five in midfield. He did it 20 years before anybody else, and everybody seemed to forget. It's a simple game, and uh, just people try and complicate it, that's all. Nice to see you down here at Finch Farm. It's an impressive complex, isn't it? Oh, it's a really good complex. I must admit, I hadn't been here before. Uh, I've got a sit. I've got a son uh, at the City Academy who's eleven. So I've been to the other, the other, the other um, facility for Everton, and uh, that was impressive as well. But I came here today with Trevor Stephen, who's part of this company we've got, and uh, he's been made very welcome by everybody around. And it's uh, it's good to see Sharpie and Snods and the other people around. Yeah. Funny you're in business with Trevor. You must have kicked him a few times over the years. I've attempted to a couple of times. <laughs> I've missed a couple of times, but he was a, he was a right winger, so I I'd always come against David she, uh, uh, Kevin Sheedy more so than him. But uh, he's a great footballer and uh, he's a good lad as well. Great, thanks for talking to us. You're welcome. Sharp, you played against Viv Anderson. He was uh, he looked a difficult customer to get the better of. He was, and he's a, a fantastic career. Yeah, not only Arsenal, but obviously Manchester United as well in England. Uh, Notts Forest, so he was a real top, top quality player, nice guy as well. Uh, but he was a fullback, you know, but he was a fullback who loved getting forward. I could get on the end of crosses as well, scored his, his, a few goals as well, but uh, they were tough. Arsenal were a really tough side, mm. you know, when, when Viv was in it, you had David O'Leary in there as well. Mm. Steve Williams Steve was a tough Williams, cookie. Yeah, they were strong, they, they, they know how to leave their foot in. But uh, Viv was in what you would say an attacking fullback, you know. Yes, he could defend as well, don't get me wrong, but, you know, I think the memories I have of him is, is getting forward, you know, unlike some of our uh, full-backs, like Snowden. Viv uh, <laughs> Anderson was a full-back who liked to get forward. Uh, but he was a good player, Daz, and he's, you look at his record, you know it's, uh, it's second to none. Snodds is in the background listening to this, by the way. We may well need the beep <laughs> machine before too long. Let's just generally talk about the Premier League at the moment, uh, Diamond, if we may. Were you surprised that Leicester City chose to dispense with the services of Craig Shakespeare eight games into the season? Yeah, I was a little bit, but I mean, I think the board have already shown that they're ruthless when it comes mm. to making decisions. You look at the Ranieri sacking, but difficult one for them because I don't think the Premier League is the sort of place where you can sit back and, and feel ever feel comfortable that you're going to be okay and it'll all come good. Before you know it, you can be 15 games down the line and you're, you're in the bottom three, so... Maybe the Leicester board feel that they need a, um, a change. Well, they clearly you know, feel that they want a change. I feel sorry for Craig Shakespeare to a degree because mm. he's, done, he's done terrifically well. He's obviously as a coach under Ranieri as well and then, then getting a the job. I don't think they're as poor as perhaps people may think they are. So I think he would have turned it round. But clearly they want to go down another road. What about the suggestion that had Claudio Ranieri not won the Premier League in miraculous style, had he finished 12th that season, he 
potentially still be the Leicester City manager, couldn't he? But he just raised the bar that much. Well, yeah, I mean, and that was always going to be Leicester's problem. I mean, to, to win the Premier League for a club like Leicester was an, an astronomical achievement and something that will probably never happen to them again. So whatever anybody did was never mm, going to match that. Correct. And I think that's where, as a, as a board... Maybe they could have a, could have been a little bit more patient with Ranieri, but you know that's their club, their decisions. Another struggling team without a manager, Sharpie, is Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> who's 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 going to get that one? Just looking at the odds, Dan. Uh, David Moyes is is probably the favourite. Uh, I said before, I don't know. If he said he wants it. He said he would be really mm. really interested in it. Uh, that surprised me a little bit. I thought he would have wanted to get into club management, but you look at his last three clubs where he struggled and you know, it's getting harder and harder to get in so you might have to take this opportunity uh, so if it's not David Moyes I, I could see it being Paul Lambert he's another one who's I think he's 10 to 1 uh, to take the job so I can see either of those two taking it you know I'm, I'd be surprised if Moyes I, I, I mm. honestly would uh, Will it be a Scotsman Graham? Yeah I think so I think they've had their fingers burnt down with, with Bertie Volks mm. you know and I think you know all the, all the people who are on the list were they're all Scots, so it'll be an interesting one. But listen, I've said before, and, I've, and they, they, they sat Gordon Strachan. Uh, with that batch of players we've got, Gordon Strachan couldn't have done anything else. No. You know, the, the, the quality of the player is not great. You know, so whoever the new manager comes in will have the same batch of players to, to pick and choose from. Uh, and you look at the, and I said it before, you look at the, the Scotland team that, that played in the last qualifier, they would struggle to be top half of the championship if they played down in England week in week out mm. and that's how far for me Scottish football's fallen so changing the manager doesn't change a lot of things uh, if Moisey goes in or Lambert or whoever uh, they'll have a tough tough job you know I just don't see you talk about Scottish players coming down to England as well Of the, I know there's a some playing in the championship in lower uh, the boy playing for Blackburn at the moment but the boy Tierney at Celtic is probably the only one out of that squad that English clubs, top English clubs, would be mm. looking at, and that's a far cry from you know when sixties, seventies, eighties, whenever kind of thing. So it's sad to see, but whoever it is, you know, who takes the job is going to have a tough one. I know you often say you wouldn't rather play now; you'd rather have played when you did. But mm. internationally wise, if you look at it now, you'd you'd have about one hundred and twenty caps, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think there's a lot more qualifiers and everything else, and I think you know. But you look at it now, a lot less competition for yeah, places as exactly. well. Yeah, exactly. You know, you look at some of the, the, the players that are playing now. And no disrespect, you know, I think the, the young boy Griffiths has done uh, is done well in the Champions League this year. But you know, when you're up against opposition, Charlie Nicholas, Andy Gray, Steve Archibald, Morris Johnson, uh, you know. Before Dalgleish. that, Kenny Dalglish, <laughs> you know, Joe Jordan, people are, you know, when you look at the, the, the players they had at the disposal all those years ago, it's certainly fallen a long, long way. All rivalry aside, Scotland do enhance an international tournament, don't they? They like the Irish, they go over there and thoroughly enjoy themselves. Yeah, I mean, their fans are magnificent, aren't they? I mean, you look at, only have to look at testimonials through, you know, through the years. Everybody wants to play Rangers or Celtic because they know the following and the backing mm. that both of those clubs get, you know, is, is going to ensure a, a great payday. But their fans are brilliant. It's it's a shame. I I agree with what Sharpie just said there. Changing a the manager, I don't think, is going to change Scotland's fortunes. Not in the foreseeable future, anyway. I think Gordon Strachan got a tune out of the players. I really think he did. And they just, you know, they came up a little bit short. Not a lot. They gave a real good account of themselves. So, you know, maybe Gordon, you know, obviously felt maybe it was time for a change and it was a good time to to leave the post. But 
it would surprise. Like, I think Moyes is probably the favourite. If, mm. if he doesn't want to go back into club football, he's the obvious choice for me. We shall wait and see. It's a whole new debate. We could do that again on the Official Everton podcast, but we run out of time this week. My thanks to Graeme Stewart and to Graeme Sharp. This has been the Official Everton podcast for the Official Everton members.